Have you ever, like, as a kid, were you the kid that maybe struggled to, to clean your room? Right? Or, or maybe, yeah, we have testimony right here. So, um, or maybe, you know, as a parent, you have certain children that they just struggle with that practice, putting that into practice, right? The, the cleaning the room part. Um, or maybe you have a roommate, right? That maybe, man, dude, yeah, they, they struggle with cleaning their room, putting that into practice. I mean, you know, like maybe if, if this is you, right? Like you, you know that you should clean your room and you love it when you do clean your room and your room is clean. You love that feeling that it brings, right? And, and you believe that having a clean room is really good and that you should, you just, you just struggle putting that into practice. You just struggle cleaning your room. Well, I'm, I'm like that kid that struggles to clean his room when it comes to this next spiritual discipline. And the spiritual discipline I'm referring to is Sabbath rest. I super struggle with this. So I'm like that kid, right? He knows he should clean his room. Um, he's been told to clean his room. Uh, I, I know that having a clean room is good for me and good for those around me. I just struggle putting that into practice. And I can even tell you why I struggle with this. I struggle with this because I often feel guilty when I'm not busy, when I'm not working or doing something. And peel the onion even more and confess a little more, what I'm really saying to you is that I often am trying to find my value and my worth and my significance in my work which, peel it even more, I'm really telling you that in those moments, I don't believe that the worth and significance that Jesus Christ purchased for me on the cross is enough. And the Spirit of God's really had to work on me over the past couple of weeks as I've been digging into this more. And I've had some confession time with the Lord and continuously. So I am not speaking from, about this today from a posture of, I know how to do this well. I'm still learning and confessing. But the good news of, about this spiritual discipline, if you will, the, the discipline of Sabbath rest, is that when I do rest, I am choosing to trust and believe that the worth and significance and value that Christ purchased for me at the cross is enough. And when I choose to Sabbath rest, I'm actually saying to the enemy who is lying to me, and to my pride who wants to control things by being busy, I'm really saying to, the, to them, I'm saying, no, 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 wait, hold on. My worth and my value and my trust and my rest is in Jesus. And as we've talked about being present, being present is absolutely necessary for living this discipline of Sabbath rest. Because if you don't show up to rest you're not going to rest. If you don't slow down to rest, you're not going to rest. If you don't look up and remember why you need to rest, you're probably not going to rest. And if you don't put some things down, you're not going to. And so we want to spin off of that discipline of being present and into this new spiritual discipline of Sabbath rest. And spiritual disciplines, as we talked about last week, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, he says, Paul says to Timothy, who's kind of this young apprentice of a pastor, and 
He's now talking specifically one-on-one to Timothy. He says, hey, Timothy, you need to train yourself for godliness. He's saying, Timothy, you need to put some energy into some spiritual practices. <laughs> and, and as you do that, your, your heart is going to begin to develop more for Jesus, and your character is going to look more like him. That's what spiritual disciplines do. They, they draw us closer into Christ, or at least that's their intent, is to draw us closer to Christ and to help our character look more like his. And so we want to dig into this spiritual discipline of, of, of Sabbath rest this morning. And I want to begin by going back to the very first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 2. I want us to see this, this spiritual discipline, this practice, if you will, in Scripture, and from it, hopefully see some of the reasons why we should practice it. So Genesis chapter 2 Verses 1 through 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he, say it, what's he? He rested. God rested? Interesting. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because that's a critical word. So why does God bless this day, make it holy? Because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So here we have the God of the universe resting. He works six days and rests one day. And he says that he blesses it and calls it holy. Why? Because of the rest. And so from that, God is basically seeing, sharing with rest is holy. Rest is a blessing. Listen, God is, he does not need to rest. So why does he rest? God rests because he knows you need to rest. We won't look at this passage, but in Mark chapter 2, Jesus is teaching a little bit about the Sabbath. And he said, listen, the Sabbath was made for you, for man. Not man for the Sabbath. God models for us our, what rest looks like or what it needs to be in our lives. Not because God needs to rest, but because he knows you are going to need to rest. I love that about our God. That it's holy it's a blessing, and God models it for us because you are made in his image. And so when you are resting, you are reflecting the very image you were designed to reflect, God's. John Mark Comer, who is a pastor out in Portland, Oregon, has written extensively about the spiritual disciplines, especially when it comes to rest and hurry. And he has this to say, he says, God who doesn't need sleep or a day off or a vacation, who doesn't get tired or worn down or grouchy, who is without parallel to any other being in the universe, rested. And we are made in his image. We are made to mirror and mimic what God is like to the world. God works, so we work. God rests, so we rest. So why rest? God practices rest, and we're made in his image to reflect him. Why else 
Go to the book of Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. It details for us the Ten Commandments. And the fourth one is what we're going to read about in Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. God is speaking. He's speaking to his people. And he says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you will, la- you will labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord, your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So here God is now, we've seen that he rests. And keep in mind, God rested before he even gave the command for the Sabbath day. So God is modeling for us rest. So here now he gives this command, the Sabbath day, to, to his people to rest. And then as you read the story of God's people through Scripture, you see them being obedient to this. You see them taking time to Sabbath rest. So God practices rest. He instructs his people to rest. Jesus practiced rest. Go with me to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4. Mark, chapter 4. I love this about Jesus. Verses 35 through 38. A familiar story maybe for some of us. Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 38. On that day when evening had come, Jesus says to his disciples, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, I love this, asleep on the cushion. And the word sleep literally means he lied down to rest. Jesus, in all his 100% humanity, is tired from working, from being with the crowds and all the busyness, and he's tired, and he lies down to rest. He's intentional about getting away. He says, leaving the crowd, they took it. Again, John Mark Comer comments on Jesus and rest. He says, one of the most important practices of Jesus was finding rest and making time for Sabbath. The human condition is prone to restlessness, and our digital age and consumeristic culture only exacerbates the problem. We must model the restfulness of Jesus, which is more than just a day, but is a spirit we live by all week long. So God practices rest. He instructs his people to practice rest. Jesus, and we see this throughout the Gospels, right? Jesus getting away to desolate places to to just rest, to pray. He was intentional about taking Sabbath, taking time away to rest. And then we see Jesus instructing his disciples, his own disciples, to rest. Go just a couple chapters over to Mark chapter 6, verses 30 through 32. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. 
And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. So prior to this moment, Jesus had sent out his disciples in pairs to different cities, towns, villages to basically just tell people the gospel. And so they go, and, and, he, and Jesus had given them authority to heal, to, you know, cast out demons. And, and that'd be exciting, right? They're super excited, but they're exhausted from all of that. So they come back, and they're excited to tell Jesus. But Jesus can see, as they return, he can see, you guys are you're spent. You're exhausted from just giving of yourselves to the mission, to my mission. And I love this about the, about the heart of Jesus, about the heart of our king. He looks at his disciples who've been living on mission for him, and he says, hey. And it's been so busy, they haven't even had, been able to take a break to eat. Have you ever had days like that where it's just been so crazy that you just couldn't even find time to just grab a bite to eat? I mean, that's what it was like. For, and I'm sure they're excited. They're, you know, I mean, living the mission of Jesus, right? But it's still exhausting, and they're tired, and they're physically, emotionally spiritually spent, and Jesus sees them. I love that. And just picture that. Jesus looks at me and says, hey, come. You need to get away, and you need to rest a while. Now, are there any kind of grammar English people here this morning? I'm, I don't know a ton, but I do know that the imperative tense, right, that's, what is that? That's like a command, right? So one of the words that Jesus gives here when he's talking to his disciples is, is a command, now, you would think when Jesus says, come and rest a while, what would you think is the command? Come. That's not the command. Come is not in the imperative. You know which word is? Rest. Rest is the word that's in the imperative. I just discovered that this week. I have goosebumps. I'm like, that is awesome and convicting. So come is not the command. Jesus says, no, I'm commanding you, you need to rest. You need to rest. My dad retired a few years ago from 50-plus years in pastoral ministry. Right? And I remember as a kid growing up, and Mondays were always his day off, always. And I remember Sundays for him were absolutely exhausting. He would usually leave the house early. He would go to the church building early. He'd get there. He'd teach a Sunday school class. Then after Sunday school, he'd review his notes real quick for a sermon. Then he'd go preach his sermon, usually have a meeting after church service on Sunday morning, come home, take a quick nap, return to go back early to the church building. It's just exhausting describing it. And he'd get there early, kind of maybe have a meeting before a choir, his choir practice, before the evening service, he was in the choir, and then he'd preach another totally different sermon Sunday night, and then he'd probably have some kind of meeting afterward. He was exhausted, but one thing I remember, he was really disciplined about resting on Mondays. He, he, got, he gets this way better than his son does. Jesus says, listen, it's okay to rest. Some of you need to hear that. It's, it's okay to come and rest a while. 
God practiced rest. He instructs his people to practice rest. Jesus rested. And then he instructs his own disciples to rest. It seems to me then that if we want to lean more into the heart of God, we want to lay our, our ears to the chest of Jesus, we want, to, we want to know his heart more, it seems like then it's going to involve the spiritual discipline of Sabbath rest. But there is a question looming that I think needs answered. And the question is this. Didn't Jesus fulfill the commands in the Old Testament for us? I mean, didn't by his death he set us free from having to keep a religious day like a Sabbath day? And if so, then why on earth would we practice Sabbath? Hmm, interesting question. Actually, there's two questions there. We'll start with the first one. Didn't Jesus set us free from the need to keep a religious day like a Sabbath day? Answer, yes. How do we know that? Go to the book of Romans, chapter 3, verse 20. Romans 3.20. The Apostle Paul is writing. And he says, For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. No human is going to be made right with God by what you do. You are not going to get forgiveness of your sins by being a good little boy or girl. You're just not by any kind of religious activity. That's what he's saying here. You're, you're not going to be justified, made right with God by your works. Since through the law comes what? Knowledge of sin. One of the purposes of the Old Testament Sabbath command was to expose your inability to actually keep it. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? It's so good. It's like God saying, I'm going to set this up for you because really what you need to know is you're a filthy, dirty, rotten sinner but I love you. And so the purpose of the commands was to expose your inability to keep them, which then, okay, if I can't keep this, which means you can't keep God's standard by what you do. And when you realize, and you realize, okay, if that's the case, then and I'm, it's my sin that's causing me to be incapable of keeping these commands, then that must mean I need a Savior other than me or any human, because they're all broken and incapable of keeping God's standard, because they all break the commands too. That's the point. So one of the purposes of the Old Testament command of Sabbath was, again, to expose your inability to keep it, which exposes your sinfulness, which reveals your need for a Savior other than you. Enter Jesus. And Jesus comes as the Son of God, and he says in Matthew chapter 5, go there with me, Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. I love this. I love what he says. Matthew 5, 17. He says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to what? Fulfill them, complete them. Jesus saying, I didn't come to wipe out the Old Testament. I actually came to fulfill it, to complete all those commands. I'm doing that for you. And he's the only one that can and could. 
And so Jesus fulfills the Old Testament commands, completes them for you, because he knows you can't. It's the kind of king and savior he is. And then when you receive Christ and are filled with Christ, the Father looks at you and sees you just as he sees Jesus as you having completed those commands too. Not because of anything you did, but because of what Jesus did for you. Well, how do we know this? Go to Colossians chapter 2. The Apostle Paul taught this. Colossians chapter 2. Let's look first at verses 9 and 10, and then 16 and 17. Paul writes, he says, For in him, in Jesus, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him, talking to the church here, to followers of Jesus, who is the head of all rule and authority. So keep that in mind, filled in him. Go to verse 16. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to who? Who's it say? Christ, to Jesus. Paul's saying that the Old, Tab- Old Testament Sabbath day was just a shadow of rest. Just a sh- it could never provide the kind of rest that you really needed. Its intent was to point you to where rest is really found. Think of a shadow, right? Just picture that, right? Have it on the screen. Uh, The shadow is there to hopefully see what's creating the shadow. So if the Sabbath day is the shadow, according to what Paul says, who's the light shining on? Who's the rest? Who's the Sabbath? Jesus. And if you are filled, if Jesus is the rest, if he's the Sabbath, and you are filled in Jesus, then what's that say? You're filled with Sabbath. You have rest for your soul, Jesus says in Matthew 11. Rest for your soul. So if Jesus is your rest and you've been filled with Jesus, then you are filled with rest. What does this mean then? It means then if Jesus is your Sabbath rest, You can stop trying to find it and stop trying to find your worth and your significance and your value in your work. Because you've already received that in Christ. And he's your rest. You can stop trying to find it in a relationship or being in a relationship. Or you can stop trying to find it in some kind of religious activity because you already have rest. The the rest that the Sabbath day could never give you but is intended to point you to. You have it in Jesus. So did Jesus fulfill the commands of the Old Testament for us, including the Sabbath command? Absolutely. So then why on earth practice Sabbath? This is where we're going to stop today. We'll pick up the answer to that question next month, right? Why practice it? Hopefully we've given some reasons already, but next time together we're going to unpack more what why practice it and what does it what can it look like what can sabbath rest look like but maybe like me you struggle to clean your room you know you should you know there's great value in it you just struggle living this practice of sabbath rest if that is you remember god practice rest He instructs his people to practice rest. Jesus practiced rest. He's saying, come rest a while. 
And so we need to understand that if you're going to lean into Jesus more this year, you're gonna, you want your character to look more like his this year, then it's going to involve in some form you living this practice of Sabbath rest. And so here's the challenge. Rest. It would feel really bad if the challenge was to go tell you to do something, right? But maybe for some of us, rest is something we need to go do <laughs> because it's an act of obedience. It's an expression of worship. It's a blessing. God sees it as holy. And so for some of us, we need to just hear Jesus say to us, come and rest a while. I mean, Jesus gave his life to fill you with his rest. He went through the brutality and the suffering of the cross to set you free from that burden and weight of your sin of trying to get it, your worth and value from something other than him. And he replaces it with his peace and his calm that comes from being filled in him. So before we sing, I want to read these words from Jesus to you. Hear these as if he is saying them directly to you, looking at you. And he says, come to me, you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls.